Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. I'm so glad you're here today. And I just want you to know that I think you're doing great. I know sometimes things are hard and can get frustrating when things aren't going the way you want them to, but you're doing amazing and I'm so proud of you. Keep going. You got this. Whatever you're going through right now, I believe in you. The possibilities are endless. Don't quit. I just felt like someone needed to hear that today. So if that person is you, I'm sending you so much love. Let's dive into today's guest. Michelle Gano is an author, a mom of three, and a former teacher. Her mission is to help parents with kids ages 2 to 10 go from feeling tired and just trying to make it to bedtime to enjoying those childhood years while also taking care of themselves. She helps parents create an environment where kids will want to remember their childhood. She focuses on providing tools to parents to help their kids feel deeply loved and emotionally secure so that everyone can enjoy this time that passes so quickly. Today, we talk about some of those tools, many of which will resonate even if you aren't a parent or teacher. So without further ado, let's welcome Michelle to the show. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, Heather. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to dive into this topic, but before we do, I like to start my guest episodes with my guests choosing either blue or red, and I choose a random question from either a blue book or a red book. All right, blue. I'm a blue girl. I love blue. It's the color of my eyes. Me too. Who in your life is most likely to live a life dedicated to helping others in the future? Can I pick myself? (laughs) Is that not allowed? No. That literally sounds like me. So I just, yeah, I'm going to take that one. I I feel like my professions have always been helping people. So yeah, I would definitely go with me. So I would like to say too, maybe my kids one day, Um, Uh not pushing it on them, but maybe. Maybe, (laughs) maybe if they follow in my footsteps, we'll say that's right. That's right. And (laughs) And if not go for it, do whatever your heart desires. (laughs) We like to do our best to have our children be good people in this world. So I'm totally cool with that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I would love to know what was Michelle like as a young child? What was your personality like? What was your upbringing like? Yeah. Um, so the first thing that came to mind was bubbly. I'm still very bubbly and friendly. Um, if you can get that gist from here. Um, so yeah, as a kid, I always was the person who wanted to make people laugh and, and like bring some joy out in them. And I find that interesting because I'm still that way where if someone, if it's a difficult situation or, uh, challenge people are going through, I feel like I always do bring the good in the situation, or at least see some sort of light in the dark. Uh, So yeah, I would definitely say that that that's how I was. And, um, and in a more vulnerable response, I I definitely struggled in part of my childhood where after 9-11, my childhood really took a turn. And my, my dad was in the Twin Towers that day. And so my dad didn't die, but 
a version of him died that day, I'll say. And so our house turned very tense. And so my bubbly personality got really dull in that time. And that really saddens me to think about, but I know that I, it took years to come out of that and find my way back. But yeah, that's definitely part of my story as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's so powerful. And I think when it's a good reminder for all of us that when we go through something or someone we're close to goes through something, there is something that biologically changes in those people and it can affect everyone around them. And I would love to know, how did you kind of start to work yourself out of that? I mean, I know it's been a long time now since 9-11, but the impacts are still hugely across not just America, but across the world. And so I would love to know any, any tips or tricks you have to kind of help others who may be going through something similar. Yeah, absolutely. So when I, um, I would say when I was younger, it was like forced therapy. My parents were like, okay, you should go to therapy and, but didn't do it themselves. So I was like, oh, I wish everyone went to therapy. Cause then we would have had a different outcome, I think. But yeah, so it was more of like a forced trying to fix it. And, um, but then as I got older, I would say I really struggled in like middle school and high school. And I was just, it was dark in those times. But then once I got to college, I really just found my peace in music was always a constant for me where I just found that to be really soothing and, and healing for me. And also in college, I did like these different retreats and it would just, we had a little retreat center and it was so cool because I would just go there and I just found like my peace there. And it was amazing because I just started to face what I went through and be like, okay, let's, let's analyze it and see what happened. How can I move forward? And, and then ultimately helping other people, because once I was able to do that, then here I was becoming a teacher and I would then saw my students going through challenges and could then help them and helping them also was healing my inner child. It was just, it was a really beautiful way of kind of coming out of it, but it really took many years I'll say (laughs) to do. Yeah. And I think that's okay. I think a lot of people have this timeline in mind for how long things should take and really it's going to take however long it's going to take. So I love that your college had these like retreats. That's amazing. I don't think that happens across the the world. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And it's funny. I was actually just looking it up the other day. I was like, I wonder if there's any like adult retreats. Cause I'm like, I never thought that that would be like beyond college, something I could do. And I was like, I'm sure there's something out there. And I found a few spots uh, near where we're moving. And so I'm like, Oh, that, that might be a cool thing to look into. to like treat myself at some point. Yeah. There's a ton of adult retreats. I keep thinking someday I want to host one. Me <laughs> too. I- <laughs> oh, same. Are you kidding me? It's so on my mind. <laughs> All right. We'll talk later about that. Yeah. I was going to say, let's collaborate there. So you became a teacher and now you are the face of a fixer upper parenting, but I would just love to know kind of after college, what, what was that journey like to get you to where you are today? That's a great question. So I'm currently on my maternity leave right now because I just had a little baby, my third, she's two months old right now. And so in this time, I'm kind of unique, we'll say, or crazy one might say it, (laughs) but each time I've been pregnant, I've accomplished a big goal in some way. So I published a book 
in my first two pregnancies. And then in this one, I was like, okay, this one, I'm going to do a online course. Cause it's something that has been really stemmed from that childhood story that I shared and just everything that I've gone through and helping the students that I've had with like all these practical lessons and just from making them feel loved to helping with behavior management, to helping someone just help with their own emotional needs. Like it's a big, a wide range of uh, topics that are in my course. And so it was just something that I wanted to put together because it has helped me all along. And I thought that it would help teachers as not just teachers, but help parents as well with their own kids. That's so amazing. And I know that, you know, we've talked a lot about kids, but that your real focus is, is the parents because that's, yeah. <laughs> that's where the kids learn to be who they, that they end up being. So how important do you think it is for parents to be aware of their own behavior and their own projections in order to give their children the best lives that they can have? Oh my goodness. So important. So important. It's something that my husband and I talk about a lot, just in casual conversation. One poem that I would love to share with you that I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's called <laughs> Little Eyes Upon You. And I would really encourage your readers to listen uh, to, listen to it, read it, uh, because it's something that I've always read. And it's really just about kids are watching you and they hear what you say, they see what you do. And it's really beautiful that we have the ability to like help them cope in ways that are healthy. And because that's something that I struggled with so much when I was younger, I did not cope in a healthy way. I was screaming out. Those are things that I don't want my kids to ever feel. And if they, if I start to see it, cause you do, you start to see those tendencies. It's like, okay, how can I gear them towards a more healthy way of coping with something uh, so that they can then help other people with that. And so I, it's fun because even as a teacher and a parent, I saw kids or my students repeating what I've said to teach them in like coping mechanisms. And so it's just really cool to be like, okay, they, they hear me They're They're listening for sure. Kids are, are like sponges and you can tell them the things, but even more than important than that is your actions and what you're actually doing. And I remember always hearing when I was a, a kid do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> as an adult, I'm like, uh, Wait. really messed up. <laughs> yes, very backwards. Also, kudos to you for being so productive on your maternity leaves on all of them. I, I think, so I only have two kids, but I'm pretty sure I was just trying to keep the two of us alive during that. I was not writing books. I do books. a lot of that too. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So what are some tips that you would give parents to kind of help with their mindset so that they're in the right place when they're trying to teach their kids and show their kids how to be? So I actually, um, when I was a teacher, I hit like a really big burnout phase where I was just losing it. And I, every day I was just dreading going. And I actually created, um, just from stuff that I've learned, a daily check-in that I used for myself. And I was like, okay, I, I know tools that will help me get through this. I just need to put it together in one little package. And so um, I'd love to share that with you because it helps anyone. And it's like, even if you're not a parent, if you're listening and you're like, okay, well, I don't have kids, this can help anyone in their life. And it really goes through a few different parts of just mindset. And so the first thing is like affirmations. And if that's a big, scary woo-woo word, 
ignore it. <laughs> Don't worry about it, but just say something kind about yourself to yourself. So in the morning, be like, okay, I am beautiful. Even if you don't feel it, or if, if you want to just start the day off feeling a positive thought. So that, and then um, taking care of yourself. So starting to be intentional with saying for 10 minutes today, I am going to what, what is something you actually want to do today? That's going to take care of yourself. It could be read a book. It could be just go outside. Like I love just going and being in nature and just breathe some fresh air while it's nice out. Right. So that's something else. And then goal setting. So scatterbrained can be very crazy, right? As parents or not parents. So just being like, okay, what is like the top thing that if anything I could get done today, that is my goal for today. Uh, just so you feel accomplished and then having fun. So having fun and just laughing because life should be fun. And a lot of times it doesn't feel fun. So I always like to write down one thing that made me laugh that day, which sounds kind of silly, but I love that because as I look back on other days, that's a way to kind of bring yourself out of a rut if you ever find yourself in one. And then the last part of the check-in is three good things from the day. So thinking through like what I would do as a teacher, I would have a little post-it on my desk and anytime something could happen, I would just jot it down quick. So then by the end of the day, I could bring home that post-it and be like, okay, even though it didn't feel like the best day, some good things happened to me that day. So yeah, so that's something that I created and and use very often uh, just for my own mindset. I love that so much. And I try to ask my kids every day at the end of the day, what was something good about today? Yeah. Just because I want to end the day on a good note. And I think especially today, kids are so stressed and just, I don't remember being that stressed out when I was their age. So I like to end the day with something good and positive for them to go to bed with. Yeah. And sometimes it catches them off guard, right? Like sometimes that catches people off guard when you're like, Hey, what's something good that happened today? It's like, you don't usually get asked that. And so it's, it's just training your brain to start thinking differently so that you, you naturally start to see the good things. Yeah. And I, I love all of those tips, even just for adults that don't have children. Like it's just, yeah, it's (laughs) just a great practice to get into. What are some things that you like to do for fun? So, and the reason I'm asking is because I have a lot of parents that have toddlers and trying to find time to actually do something that is fun and not stressful because you're changing diapers and feeding and having blowouts and all of those fun (laughs) things that thankfully I do not have to worry about anymore. Um, But can you give some ideas of things that you do? Cause I know yours are all pretty young. So yeah. for my listeners that have toddlers, how, what they might be able to do. Yeah. Mine are very young. So, um, sometimes that means bringing the kids into the fun activity. So I personally love music. And so my family, we have like a daily dose of fun. That's what I call it. So (laughs) daily dose of fun. And I love just doing a little dance party with them. So if they're driving me insane or I'm going insane, I'm like, Hey, let's go listen to some music. Let's go do a little dance party. And that really can be a game changer. So even if I can't necessarily leave my three little ones. I can at least bring something fun into the day or just be intentional about like, okay, for the next five minutes, I'm going to let them crawl all over me and they're going to be giggling and laughing and thinking it's the best moment in the world. And it will actually end up being the best moment of your day. Uh, So just kind of letting that mess turn into the fun moments. Absolutely. I think dance parties are the solution to 
all the world's problems. Same. I know. We just need to dance. <laughs> so I totally get that. And I love it. So I would also love, I know that you talk a little bit about this, but I would like to know how you suggest that parents or grandparents or step parents or any of the people who watch children, how do you think they can build a childhood that kids want to remember? Oh my goodness. So that's the loaded question, right? And I have so many ideas that my brain is going on overload. One thing in particular that I love that stands out to me because it has just worked so beautifully with my students and my own kids is I think making sure that they feel loved in the way that they receive love best is the most important part because some people might look back at their childhood and think, like, oh, I I didn't feel loved in those moments or like that time of my life was really dark. And I wonder if someone just asked me like, hey, how can I make you feel loved today? How that would have changed that part of my life. And so that is exactly what I do with my former students and with my kids. And I say, how can I make you feel loved today? And again, if you're not a parent, you can ask your spouse that, or you can ask anyone, your friend that if someone is going through something hard or even just a normal day, that's just a question that you can ask anyone. So that's one thing that really stands out because that's when you really feel taken care of, right? You remember how you feel. So that's, that's the biggest thing for me. I love that question. And I think it's really important because every human is different and how they receive love is going to be different. And it's not a one size fits all. The other question that I love to ask people is how can I support you? So when they're going through something, Mm -hmm. just because I might want support in a certain way does not mean that that is how that person is going to best respond. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're wondering too, like, well, what does that even mean? Like how to receive love in different ways? Like a great example is if you ask someone, um, like I'm a very like cuddly person. So all I want is like someone to just hug me and I'll feel super great, <laughs> you know, and that'll change it. But someone like my son or even my husband, they they would rather just like be with me for like quality time. Or do you know the book, The Five Love Languages by uh, Gary Chapman? I've heard of it, but I've not read it. Oh, it's a good one. It's a really good one. And all so right. I would recommend it to everyone because yeah, it, you, you just learn why you might clash with someone or why you might just feel love differently. And so it could just be like, oh, I want you to just do this thing with me instead of being all snuggly. Right. (laughs) So, so instead of doing that for my son or my husband, I instead know, okay, they would want something different than what I would have. So. Yeah. I think that's a great point because whether it's your kids or your spouse or any important people in your life, my kids are like night and day when it comes to how they want me to interact with them. You know, I've got one who's always wants attention and she's very touchy feely. And, you know, and then I have another one who, if you come at her and try to give her a hug, she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. You know? yeah. <laughs> now, if she initiates the hug, it's totally different, but you yeah. can't come at her without her kind of taking a step back and going, hold on. I think it's just a great thing to know about people. And if it seems too weird to ask, you can always just observe them and see how they're interacting with you and sort of let them take Mm -hmm. the lead a little bit. 
Yeah. And that's how I felt too, especially as a teacher. Cause I was like, here, I have 20 plus kids in a room. They're not all going to respond well to the same thing. And so that's why I actually made that a conversation and an activity in my classroom, which is in the course too. And that just changed things so much because anytime I saw someone who like was struggling or needed it, I had it in my hand, how they would best receive some sort of support or care. So that was just really helpful. Oh, that's amazing. I, I have a hard enough time with two. I can't imagine trying to manage 20 kids. A lot, of, and... a lot of emotions in one room, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. God bless teachers. That's all I can say. Um, they have got a pretty rough go. I was talking to my daughters this morning, actually, and I said, as much as teachers have a tough job, even more than that, I would not want to be a bus driver because we oh, always same. I know. <laughs> we always see the bus go by. I drive my kids to and from school and we always see the bus go by and I feel for you drivers. <laughs> I know. I always said that too. How do you think we can create the best environment possible for our kids? Making sure that it's an environment that they feel like emotionally safe and secure and just to express whatever is going on, you know, and, and feel cared for. I love that. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this course that you have? Cause you've alluded to it a couple of times. I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, it definitely, um, it just really the general answer to that is it helps parents go from just trying to get through the day to actually enjoying these years. Because as a younger parent, I would always hear people say like, oh, it goes so fast. It goes so fast. Don't blink. Like they're going to be grown before you can like even think, you know? And so in in my mind, I was like, okay, so then since we have such a limited time with them, I don't want to grow up and look back and regret things that I did with them. Um, and of course this stems from my own childhood too, being like, okay, what would have made the difference in those dark moments? And that's really what the course is all about. So it, it covers things from, like I shared, like taking care of your own mental state and, and awareness, but then it also helps with tactical things like behavior management and just setting up systems in your family to help things run smoother and just make the home feel a little less stressful so I, I'm big on visuals. So a lot of the things that I share, it's all printable resources that it's like, okay, learn about it and then print it and use it the next day. And I'm big on like conversations with kids too, even the young ones, similar to the one that I shared. So I have a bunch of little prompts with that as well. So there's a wide range, but it really is just helping people create a good childhood for their kids. That's so needed. I think for some reason, parents have a hard time talking to children like they know what you're saying. You know, like they talk to them like they're kids and kids are so smart and yeah, they, they can handle it. They can yeah. handle harder things. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I love that you have the printables. I am definitely a, a paper person. I like electronic, but I also really like to have the thing in front of me so that. It's oh yeah, available. definitely. <laughs> yep. And kids are so good with visuals too. So it just helps. So what are some things do you think that parents can do to sort of check in with themselves to kind of bring that awareness to them? Because they might just not even know that they're doing these things and projecting these things onto their kids. Oh, that's a great question. So I would, I would say just to start one of like the early on lessons is helping parents just like analyze 
what is going on in your home right now or in yourself right now? And then what is that like ideal situation? Because usually the points that feel tense or that you see challenges are the things that you need to change. So at one point in our, in my family's life, my child, my child was having such hard times with like transitions and, and just transitioning from like, okay, we need to go from eating breakfast to going for a car ride to go to this place. And, and I was just like losing my mind. And so in, I was able to identify it because those were the stressful moments of the day. So I I would feel like just look at your day and see, okay, what am I stressing about? Or what are the things that are really standing out as challenges? And then you can start to say, okay, well, why are they challenges? Maybe that's something I need to work on as the parent and, and create a better like system for it. That's amazing advice. And you just brought to mind something when you were talking about my older daughter, ever since she was aware of anything going on, needed to know at the beginning of the day, what the day was going to look like. You kind there, of, yes. yeah, you, I had to tell her like, okay, we're going to eat breakfast and then we're going to get dressed and then we're going to go here. And then, you know, and if we diverted from that plan, all hell broke loose and she couldn't handle it, you know? And so I couldn't figure out at first, like, what is happening? Like, why is she so reactive? Once I learned that's just how she, you know, she needed that stability. She needed that knowing. And then once I was aware of that, I could kind of work with it. And if for some reason we needed to change plans midway through the day or whatever it was, I could kind of prepare her like, Absolutely. And, instead of just showing up someplace different and she's like, what are we doing? You know? And so I think that is amazing to be able to have that awareness. And it is, it's on you as a parent to learn not only your kids, but yourself and how you can help them through that. Yeah. And another thing too, that was really helpful for me is doing like personality tests. And so that's something that I have done either. I'm I'm big on self-help books too, personally. So I love those. And then I took a few personality tests and it was so spot on. It was scary. Like when I was reading the results, I was like, this is so me and in good ways and bad. And so I was like, oh crap. (laughs) So if you can't identify it yourself, like maybe seek something outside of yourself and And that could help you. But I just jotted down. um, I loved that you shared that about the schedule, because that's exactly one of the things that's in the course, um, because that helped all kids, honestly, even if they don't thrive in that way. And because as a teacher, you use that, too, of just giving them like that day. Uh, And so that's what I share in there. And it helps you. The things that I love about all these visuals with kids is it helps you be proactive. So like you said, if you knew something needed to be changed, you were then able to be proactive and prevent the meltdown um, or at least lessen it before it actually became a big blow up. So what do you think about rewarding children for good behavior versus reprimanding them for bad behavior? Where do you stand on that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So (laughs) that's definitely an interesting question because I would say with boundaries, you always need boundaries for kids, but I I don't think reprimanding is always going to work because sometimes even like with my son, uh, he's three and a half. And when I'm giving him the same direction, like, don't do this, don't do this. Well, guess what he's going to do? He's going to go do that because he wants to in his little mind, he's going to do it. So I would say the positive reinforcement is definitely the way that I lean 
but there are obviously moments where I'm like, okay, no, enough is enough here. <laughs> so I'm definitely not all like rainbows and unicorns, but that is definitely helpful. How do you handle it when your child is having a meltdown and as a mom, you can feel yourself losing it a little bit? You know, this is really my not. favorite question because <laughs> it happens every single day. So what I do every single day is I verbalize what I'm feeling and what I'm going to do about it. And I did this as a teacher too, because that helps them learn how to handle it themselves. So for example, if I'm ready to lose it, like I probably will be after our call, after a little while being up with the kitties, I will say like, I'm feeling really mad right now. And I need to go take two deep breaths. Please give me a minute. And they'll still be all up in your face and it's okay. But just show them that you're like, you are actually taking a minute to take two deep breaths because I I did that and I, I tested it out with my students and my own kids. And it's amazing because you'll start to see them do the same thing. So even my son sometimes will be like, when I start to lose my cool, he'll all of a sudden be like, mommy, calm your body. And I'm like, oh my God, you're three. Like, this is pretty good. <laughs> like, I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> so it's cool. Like, it's it's kind of the norm in, in our house. So I, I love just verbalizing it. Because something else, too, that I, I feel like in our generation, like growing up, a lot of our families like our, our parents didn't show that or like express it. So I just saw them stuff emotions and not fix anything. And that's how I learned. And then, and then it would be a blow up and I would be like, where did that just come from? Like, and, and so now I'm like, okay, if you at least teach them express the feeling and what you're going to do about it, that really makes a huge difference. Yeah. That's such a great point because I think that when we become a parent, we get to basically unlearn everything that we learned from our parents. (laughs) They did their best. And that's what I always tell not only myself, but even my kids. I'm like, you know, I'm doing the best that I can with what I know right now. And there's things that if those situations were to happen today versus five years ago, I would handle them completely differently, but you know, I did the best I could in the time. Right. Absolutely. And we're all learning and growing because each phase with kids is different too. So it's like, you're adjusting as you go. So you're never going to be like the expert, you know? Yeah. It's too bad that when children are born and you leave the hospital, that they don't give you a book on how to do everything absolutely perfectly. Yeah, that would be, be kind of cool, right? <laughs> but like we said, every kid is different and that really. That is true. So different. what works for one kid, even in my own family, what works for one kid does not it mean not it's going to work for the other, other one. <laughs> 100%. So back to a little bit talking about the importance of kind of knowing how your child is going to react to things. How do you, how important do you think it is for kids to have a schedule or for you to have a schedule with your kids to kind of, so that they do know what's coming or do you just kind of play it by ear depending on what the kid is like? I would say it's different for every family. So like every family is going to structure their day and their time differently. For me personally, I love schedules, not to the point where it's like too stiff, like there's always flexibility, but I like to know what my day is going to look like because that's how we function. So we work from home. So we need to know, okay, this chunk of time, we're going to be doing this. This chunk of time is this. And so it helps the kids to know just what to expect for the day, especially being so little. Yeah. At what age do you think that's not really needed? 
my focus is always like, even with the course is like kids, like under age of 10, I would say is like, they really do well with a schedule or just some sort of like expected routine. A routine I think would be a better word for it because a schedule can sometimes feel a little stifling, but a routine of just knowing this is what you do when you wake up, because then that helps them be more independent too. So I would say maybe after that, they, it wouldn't be as needed. That makes sense to me. That makes sense because, and I think the older they get, the more things they get involved in, the more places exactly. they want to go and, you know, they get their own interests. And so they get a little more say in their lives versus you, you mm-hmm. scheduling everything for them. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to know a little bit about your books that you wrote. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I have one book for teachers. So that's called Look Beyond the Clouds. And that helps them overcome burnout and just find the joy in their life again, not just teaching. And so that's, that's just a big passion of mine, just helping people in general with that. So again, a lot of the concepts there could really help anyone, not just teachers, but all my little examples were teacher-based. And then I have two children's books. So teacher magic and sibling magic. So those are, um, those were fun, fun to write as well. One I actually wrote a week after my daughter was born because it was just the, I was witnessing this sibling love for the first time. And I was like, this is incredible. And I was like, okay, I got to write this down. And I called my husband. I'm like, I think I just wrote a book. I'm not quite sure if it's good. We got to We got to chat about this when you get home. <laughs> and he's like, no, I think we're good. Yeah. I think you can go with it. <laughs> oh, I love that. So it is interesting about siblings because my daughters are four years apart mm-hmm. and they're 11 and 15 now. And we're now just getting to a point where they're not fighting 24 seven. So when they were really young, they got along. And then we hit this patch of, oh my God. (laughs) And I actually remember that same time with my own brother, my, my brother and I are 19 months apart. And I went through that with him also when we were younger, but we're now coming out on the other side, but I used to have friends who had one child and they, they couldn't understand why I was always so stressed and like pulling my hair out and like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do? Is this normal? It siblings, is an interesting topic. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And to be clear, mine focuses on like helping prepare for a new baby. So it's like, it helps a sibling prepare ahead of time so that it's not like all of a sudden this thing is popped in their home and they're like, what, what's this thing? (laughs) So it's kind of like helping them prepare and be part of it so that they don't feel like they're second place. So that's really where my, that book leads. And then all of a sudden seeing the baby is like this love just sounds yeah. I love but that. Yeah, there, I know there will be crazy times for sure. <laughs> there are. <laughs> yeah. The way that my, my then husband and I handled it when we got pregnant with my second is we let our older daughter name our second daughter. We gave her a couple options of things that we were okay with. And yeah. ultimately, ultimately it came down. We really couldn't decide and it didn't matter to us. We had a few picked out and so we let her oh, pick. So and so she has that connection to her little sister, which is amazing. That's really cool. If I did that, my son was two. So he would have been like Apple or something. So <laughs> I'm glad we didn't go that route. Well, celebrities <laughs> but, these days. Know, <laughs> I know it might've been the new trend actually. <laughs> 
did you always want to be a teacher when you grew up, when you were a little? Kid? I did. Yeah. My mom. And, and so it, it was a little scandalous when I left <laughs> in the family. They were like, are you sure? And even now they're like, so you can go back to teaching. And I'm like, I, I got big dreams here, people. <laughs> I'm helping kids in different ways. The one, honestly, the one thing I love teaching so much, the one part that always bothered me was like, I felt like I wasn't reaching enough kids each year. Like I was the person who was like, I wish I could just have the whole school in my classroom and, and help the kids as many kids as possible. So with this, what I'm doing now, it's like, now I can reach more kids than just 20 per school year and spread those messages that I would spread in the classroom just a little wider. So I still am teaching just in a different way. I, that's how I look at it. Fantastic. And for my listeners who would like to dive in a little bit more, where is the best place to find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at fixer upper parenting. And then the website is fixerupperparenting.com. So nice and easy. We all need a little fixer upper, right? (laughs) So that's why I loved that name when I came up with it. All right. Before I let you go, I want to ask you five rapid fire questions, meaning you don't have to answer them quickly. Just answer the first thing that comes to mind. And that's just a way for my listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Perfect. Let's go. Something that makes you laugh. My kids, your favorite way to show up for yourself as it relates to self-care. I know we talked a little bit about some of the things you like to do. Any, any favorites? I love laying on my hammock and seeing the stars at night. That's like big for me. Mm, I love stars. I could literally just stare at the sky all night oh, long. Same. Yep. <laughs> what were you doing the last time you lost track of time? Oh God, this maternity leave. I have no idea what day it is. I'm lucky I'm by a computer to see the clock. <laughs> I feel like anyone who started working from home during the pandemic probably feels the same way. (laughs) I literally said to, oh my gosh, I was at the doctor the other day and I was like, what year is it? And I was like, I'm sorry, I know this is a really bad question, but what year is it? Is it 23 yet or is it still 22? (laughs) And they were like, it's okay. You have an excuse. I'm like, no, don't make me feel better about this. (laughs) That was bad. (laughs) I mean, you can still do the mom brain excuse for sure. I'll use it for now, but I know deep down, That was not a necessary question. (laughs) All right. How would your best friend describe you? Caring and fun to be around. All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? The first thing that came to mind was um, just understand earlier on that hurt people hurt other people. So take care of yourself, first of all, and understand that if someone is hurting you, they are probably much more hurt than you even realize and just be able to kind of cope in that way. Mm, That's beautiful. That just got deep. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so good though. And I try to tell my kids that all the time, Um, you know, especially my youngest one is in sixth grade. And so there's always sixth grade drama and I try to remind her and she's very good about it, but you know, I try to remind her that if somebody's saying something about you or making fun of you or anyone for that matter, it's because they have something bigger going on inside themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michelle, this has been so much fun. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. I'm so excited to read your books and have my listeners check out your course. And I hope you have a great day. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me again. If you are a caretaker of little ones, you know how challenging those years can be. I loved today's conversation and hope that it helps those of you that need it to remember you are not alone on this journey. 
Being a parent is the hardest job out there, and we do our best to make sure we aren't screwing our kids up too much. Finding others who are on the path with you will make it so much easier. If you're interested in the poem Michelle mentioned early in the episode, it is called Little Eyes Upon You and can be found with a simple Google search. As always, I invite you to take your own notes during my episodes so that you can be sure to capture everything that is helpful for you. But here are five key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, if you have gone through something traumatic and therapy doesn't seem to be helping, you can try to find other ways to soothe those emotions. Of course, I recommend professional support first, but you may find that music also helps or that you don't feel so alone when you connect with others. You may want to see if there are any local retreats in your area that seem of interest to you. Healing is possible, and you may find that you want to help others along their healing journey once you've healed yourself. Number two, parents get to be aware that their own behaviors and projections have a direct impact on their children. They see what you do. They hear what you say. They will remember all the things that you think they aren't paying attention to. Young kids want nothing more than to be just like you. Number three, have a daily check-in for yourself. This helps get you into the right mindset. Your check-in can include affirmations or saying something nice about yourself to yourself. Another part of this check-in can include doing something you want to do for 10 minutes. Setting goals during this time can also help you focus on what you want to accomplish for the day ahead. And don't forget to have fun and find one thing that makes you laugh. Number four, at the end of the day, reflect on three good things that happened that day. If you find it difficult to remember three things, when those good things happen, jot them down on a post-it note or make a note in your phone. This process signals to your brain that even though it may have seemed like it wasn't the best day, that good things did happen. You may even sleep better by doing this, and you will even start to train your brain to look for good things. Number five, incorporate a daily dose of fun into each day. This is a good break if you or your kids need a few minutes to reset. This can be done by having a dance party, playing a quick game, or anything that makes you smile and laugh. This may even make it into one of your top three good things that happened that day. Thanks so much to Michelle for joining me on this episode. You can find links to her course and her books in today's show notes. And if you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would give it a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help my podcast show up as suggestions for other listeners, and together we can raise the vibration of the planet. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about. 